0: Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We don't want to be lecturing. We want to get a sense of where your your teen or your your almost teen is, your adolescent is, because that's the place to leap off from. If they're like, "I will, I just don't really like it. It's really upsetting to me. That's the place to join them. If it's like, yeah, which I don't see what the big deal is. We see this stuff all the time. You have to know that too. And I will say there is an element, unfortunately, of this habituation and almost like regular fatigue of seeing violence with the young generation because they actually see it so much that's not a good thing but it is a it's a real thing Hello, Parent Footprint listeners. We hope you enjoyed our first sitting down with Dr. Dan bonus episode, which launched last month and are now available in our main feed for free from here on out. This month, I am with our awesome podcast audio engineer and dad, Phil Rossi, to discuss your parenting questions. We love your questions. Continue to send them in. You know you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email us at podcast at drdanpeters.com. So without further ado, Phil, hello. How are you?
1: Hello, ya? Dr. Dan. Hey, I'm good. i um, glad to be back. Always enjoy uh, getting to sit down with you and answer our questions from the listener community. And we've got a little bit of something for everybody today. We've got baby questions Middle school age questions, high school age kid questions. so there really is something that across across the across the gamut there: Excellent. Yeah, it's good news. So with that being said let's let's jump right into it. All right. Question number one comes uh, via email from an anonymous mom who asks. A lot of media outlets release disturbing, difficult, brutal, and often violent videos on their website and on social media. These videos range from police body cam videos to actual crime footage. They are easy to find and are even easier to view. How can we tell our middle school child that those videos should be avoided, in our opinion? How do we help him deal with peer pressure around viewing these videos? Should we make a rule or ask our son to come to us if he feels he must watch a video?
0: Hmm. Great question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, these videos are so disturbing, um, and it's more and more common. Like Everything that happens gets filmed, and whether it is a major news source or feed yeah. or it's a, just a, by, a bystander, a citizen who's yes. pushing this out like there it's everywhere and so okay so I think I think it's damaging um and we should try to help our kids avoid them as much as possible and we have to understand the human instinct i mean just think about um all of the rubbernecking that we do you know you wait an hour in traffic because there's an accident and you're upset right. with everyone for stopping and look <laughs> and tell me how many times you are not able like how many times you don't look like i would right. say like I'm, it's so so we are just pulled to this um it's 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 interesting. It's we're curious. Um, we, we want to see these things. I remember in high school watching the movie, the secretive movie that we would rent faces of death part one Part two. Yeah. Do you remember those? I do remember those. And they were so disturbing.
1: And I actually didn't watch a single one.
0: Really? Good for you. And we can talk about that in a little
1: bit. Um, Yes. We'll we'll tie that in, but keep, keep, keep. Yes.
0: So, so, and I remember like being horrified and not being able to turn away and being nauseous and then thinking about it for way too long. And so what I like about this question is, is what do we do about it? How do we help? And what sort of boundaries can we set? Um, Well, I think where you're going to go with this also is, I mean, I remember the peer pressure of horror films in middle school and high school. And I, the, are, they terrify me. And the peer pressure of, well, that's what we're doing at the sleepover. And like being on the, like behind the couch and like eyes closed, but trying to pretend my eyes were open. I mean, it was it was terrible because I was trying to deal with, well, all my friends are doing it. Yeah. And, you know, I get yeah. called names if I, you know, if I don't do it. And right. so, um, so just acknowledging that peer pressure. So, Here's, I think this is all about educating our kids and talking to them in a way that we're trying to help them manage the onslaught of social media and news throughout their young and older life because it's not gonna stop. And of course, the more and more they get independent in middle school, high school, college, beyond, we're not there. So the education to me is, we know there is a lot of violence and tragedies that are being broadcasted for you to see, and we know that your friends are gonna be talking about them because they're everywhere, and Mm -hmm. we also know that there is a pull to want to watch. However, from our own experience, we have to tell you that there are some things that once you see, you can't unsee and stays with you for a while, and can cause you distress, can cause nightmares, can cause added fear that you don't really need to be thinking about. And so you just should be really thoughtful about what it is that you are going to view. And if at all possible, talk to us about it and maybe we can talk it through. And if we decide that it's really something that seems important, maybe we can watch it together and be able to process it and talk about it. I also understand that you might be in situations where people are showing. And my curiosity is, do you really want to see this stuff? And when you have seen this stuff, were you glad you did, or are you conflicted, or did you wish you didn't? Because a lot of, we don't want to be lecturing. We want to get a sense of where your, your teen or your, your almost teen is, your adolescent is, because that's the place to leap off from. If they're like, I, well, I just don't really like it. It's really upsetting to me. That's a place to join them. If it's like, yeah, Yeah. which I don't see what the big deal is. We see this stuff all the time. You have to know that too. And I will say there is an element, unfortunately, of this um, habituation and almost like regular fatigue of seeing violence with the young generation because they actually see it so much. That's not a good thing, but it's a real thing. Right,
1: right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, my thoughts are very much, very much the same on that. You know, I'll lead in with the. Once you see something, you can't unsee it. Uh, that's something I, I inadvertently figured out on my own, probably because I saw something that I wanted to unsee at a at a young age, mm-hmm. and didn't want to duplicate that experience, which is why I avoided all those really graphic of Death videos and all that. Now I do enjoy a good horror film, mm-hmm. but I know, you know, I know that's not real. And but at the same time, I avoid the really gruesome slasher or body horror films because I just find that disturbing, and I don't need that in my in my head.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the way I look at this is almost through the the uh, the lens of consequence. Are the consequences of not giving in to peer pressure, i.e. being called a wimp or getting a hard time from your friends, are those consequences, do those outweigh the consequence of seeing something so disturbing that you can't get it out of your head? The image shows up when you least expect it, when you're mm-hmm. laying in bed at night. Are those which which is which is gonna work out worse for you? Will your friends Move on in ten minutes and onto something else, and start picking on your other buddy for something else. Mm-hmm. Very possible. So that's kind of one way to frame it. What's going to feel worse for you? And what's going to last longer? Uh, but really, the the philosophy of once you see something, you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to unsee it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that has worked very well with my own kids uh, in terms of their curiosity, and and usually they'll they'll come to us and they'll ask about something that's been in the media or something that's been on the news or something their friends have been talking about and trust yourself as a parent mm-hmm. that you know, your kid and yes. you can tell when it is sort of that habituation and there is that sort of that desensitization to this violence that is
0: mm-hmm. all
1: over the news and everything else that they may, it may not affect them even in the way that it affects you. Uh, but at the same time, you'll probably be able to pick up that hesitation or that little bit of doubt. And they may be coming to you with this sort of feigned confidence in hopes that you're going to be the one that gives them the out so that you can in turn be their excuse. Like my dad is so lame. He's, he's not going to let me watch this or he's going to find out that I watched this and it's going to just be bad and you guys will never see me again. Kind yep. of thing, and yep. so you can be the scapegoat. you can take the hit for totally. Kid. Uh, totally and it's and it's gonna be different. you know they might see something by accident i right. I know that um my oldest daughter inadvertently uh she wasn't here, saw the footage of of the George Floyd yeah. tragedy, and it really shook her, really rocked her to mm-hmm. her core. Yeah, uh, and it's, that's hard to see yeah. as a parent. Uh, yeah. and, and for her, she was a little older. So she also understood what yeah. to avoid for her and where her threshold was. And they're going to learn that along the way. And at some point we're not going to be able to really be that filter. It's a, kind right. of the law of diminishing returns as they get older True. and have more access. So I say, a combination of the you can't unsee philosophy and then always as we always say communication and just keeping those communication channels open it, it it'll it'll be fluid.
0: Yes. So two final thoughts. One is you know to your point about what are the consequences is the consequence of seeing it or not seeing it worse you know with your friends and the peer pressure. So we only learn that the stove is hot when we touch it once or twice. Mm-hmm. And so, in all likelihood, the only way your child will be able to answer that consequence is after they have seen something they don't want to see, and then say, "You know what? This is actually worth yeah. um, some uh, being a little ridiculed to not <laughs> see this." So, like you, 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 they usually have to dip their toe in it. The second thing is, in terms of us being the you know taking the hit, the parents being the bad guys. It's wonderful to have a code with your kids where either they call you and say something, a word that you know that that means that you're to tell them they need to come home now and they act upset because <laughs> you're bad parents, or they text you to say, please call me and tell me to come home. And what that means is they're in a situation, whether it's like what we're talking about with you know a, a violent situ- film situation or documentary or news or they're in an dr- alcohol or um, drug or other unsafe situation, and then you get to be the bad guy. They get to act upset, but they get to get themselves out of the situation while, while saving face. Yeah. So I think all that, that stuff applies to all of the, all of the stuff that our um, kids and teens experience as they get older.
1: Yeah, very much so. And I think just the fact that Anonymous Mom, that you are thinking about this and considering it, Already gives you an advantage in in managing these scenarios in in the years to come. Yes, very thoughtful question. All right. Question number two comes to us via Instagram, a direct message. Our high school daughter is messy. She's a huge slob. That's in parentheses, just for our (laughs) our listeners. (laughs) Uh, She's a junior, and we are worried about how she'll be able to share a room in college. We have rules, chores and a medium neat house. Advice please.
0: Yes, so this is very 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 common. <laughs> and yes. um what we need to remember is a few a few things. One is our kids are not are often one way in our home where they feel safe and have their um comfort and um and their routine, or lack thereof, and they're very different in the world when they're at school, or sports, or activities, or with coaches, or with other teachers, and with friends. And most of the time, these high schoolers, outside of maybe summer camp, uh, they haven't had to sh- share with anyone else, so they don't even know what that's like, or what the yeah. consequences are, and it's doesn't, it doesn't count to say, well yeah, you share, you might share a room with your sibling, which a lot of people do, it's still different than sharing a room with someone outside your family. So you still wanna like try to instill some some daily living skills, but not to the point of conflict. I know in our house, I'm going down the list, I would say that all three of ours (laughs) over the course of middle school and high school, um, from different times to others, we could say were very slobbiness with their rooms and messiness with their rooms. And, you know, after a while, it was they were just asking, well, why don't you just close the door so you don't have to look at it, right? That's (laughs) the common. And then, so we'd go back and forth with, yeah, but we have to walk in there or you know what, okay, you're (laughs) right. And here's the thing. It's all about real life experience and natural consequences. So some of these kids get to school and when they realize their life is their life, and they realize that they actually do better when things are less messy, and they don't have parents to either get on them or actually do some of the cleaning for them because we want the place clean drives us crazy, they change. Um, There are also plenty of kids that still have developing frontal lobes. Well, they all do, but also might have some executive functioning issues or other neurodiversity issues related to other profiles that they actually are messy. And then the best life experience is when you're with a roommate who you have to deal with it. Yeah. And it's amazing always what happens with a little outside pressure that has nothing to do with your family when you start to um, to start to make some changes. And uh, I can say we've seen that with all three of our kids as they've had to share dwellings from, when leaving our house, <laughs> that changes happened over time because of the different Uh, environmental experience.
1: Right. Of course. Yeah. Our experience is is a little bit different uh, in the sense that uh, with respect to our messaging. Yes. So our messaging is we haven't given you a lot of chores because we expect you to maintain your living space. You know, keep your room tidy as you can. And pick up after yourself around the house. So if you're watching TV and eating a snack, you know, throw the throw the trash away and just be responsible for that mess which you are are creating. And so that's not to say that their rooms don't over a period of time. It differs between my two my two daughters. One, it takes her room a little longer to get messy, and then the other. After trying on a dozen outfits and putting on makeup and everything else, it it looks like a war zone in 15 minutes. <laughs> but they both have come to the point now where they recognize when their space is getting uncomfortably messy. Uh, and I don't know if that's just their programming or just this way that we've sort of worked with them and in, in feeling responsible for that space. Um but then, again, part of our messaging too has been we are really emphasizing keeping your spaces as tidy as you're capable, right mm-hmm. don't if you have homework, if it's between homework and making your bed, do your homework, uh, but in preparation for life, because there will be roommates out there that you'll have, some might be messier than you, others might not be, and might cause conflict, just having that mess and so right. it's right. a similar you know similar theme, just a parallel just a parallel lane yes but but like you said it's it's so common the the messy teenager is is so common and some grow out of it uh it took me about 30 years to to grow out of it (laughs) and i still have my moments where my wife is asking me where are all the coffee mugs and i say well they're certainly not in the recording studio as i run downstairs (laughs) and (laughs) smuggle them into the dishwasher
0: Yes, yes, yes. yes. (laughs) Some habits uh, do not die hard. Um, The other thing for this, um, for our listener to also just know, if you don't know uh, listeners, that when your child is filling out the housing um, application. There's a ton of questions these days to look for matching. Mm-hmm. And it's everything from do you, do you like quiet or loud? Do you go to bed early or late? Um, in so many words, do you party or not? Right. Um, are, you know, everything from different lifestyle choices and are you neat or messy? So we encourage kids to be honest. Yeah. As well, because if you're dishonest, you're like, oh no, I'm clean because I'm planning on being clean and neat. Um, that usually doesn't work out. Like, have reasonable expectations. <laughs> and at some of the times, it's funny you will have, and we, we had this with our kids, living with other people that were so messy, it turned them into tidy people. They're like, Oh, this stuff just drives me nuts. <laughs> this is this is overwhelming. It's like I can't even and like, oh, really? That's interesting. And yeah. then you see this metamorphosis. So Try to think of all of this as life experience. We only learn through life experience and feedback from others in the environment, ultimately.
1: All right, question three comes to us via email, and the timing for Black History Month is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So here it comes, and it's from a dad, which we always love getting dad questions.
0: Yes, go dads.
1: I'm a dad, and I heard this interview on NPR recently. There's a lot of posting about it on social media as well. Uh, for Black men, barriers to mental health care can be complex.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How can I help encourage my two sons, one in high school, one in college, to take care of their mental health too? I'm only now learning this as an, and then again, in parentheses, yeah. old adult. And we're sure yes. you were sure you're not old. I'm yes,
0: <laughs> but a wise, a wise, a wise man, a wise man. <laughs> so I listened to that that piece and it was an excellent piece and it's not a long piece so it's really digestible for people and in that piece one of the main themes was the internal barriers and the external barriers for black individuals to get mental health uh, to, to to care for their mental health and to seek mental health treatment and counseling and internal barriers are that stigma You know, talking about feelings is weak. Um, Going to a counselor means that there's something wrong with you, or therapist, Um, and that really, that emotions are really not. There's stigma about just diving into emotions, discussing emotions, even having emotions outside of anger, which we'll get to. And then there's the external barriers, which is how do I find a a culturally competent. Therapist who understands, mm-hmm. can understand me and my culture mm-hmm. and background at, at, of, of any color, but particularly of black descent, they're just, there's not as many as we need of service providers who match with ethnicity, who are right. black. And that becomes another barrier. Another external barrier, of course, is the cost. Um, and, up until COVID, when we weren't doing telehealth, then how do you get there? So like, how do I find a person? How do I get there? How do I pay for it? And how do I find someone who understands me and is a match for me? So there are a lot of external barriers.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, that's, I mean, that's a long list, and I know that's, that's not even all, all of right, the
0: barriers. Right, right, lots. So, and now, taking a step back to where does a lot of this come from in terms of the, the challenge for men in general and black men in particular from this question to being even willing, let alone the external barriers, being even willing. So I'm, my son suggested a book for me to read, which I'm reading. And it turns out um, my wife had suggested the book to him okay. without, <laughs> without me knowing. So it is called The Will to Change. It is by Bell Hooks. And she uh, unfortunately died a few years ago. She is a visionary black feminist scholar, lecturer, writer, teacher. Wrote so many amazing books. The Will to Change is all about what she terms, I'm gonna um, really simplify this, as toxic patriarchy. And goes through the history of how men are raised and bred in the larger culture by men and women due to the this toxic patriarchy. And it's even can be more pronounced in different communities, such as black communities and low socioeconomic communities, right? So not always, but she makes the point that Mm -hmm. it can be even more pronounced. And basically is that men are raised in toxic patriarchy to be powerful, to dominate, to be in control, to not be weak, and to not show feelings, emotions, or vulnerabilities. And the only emotion which is okay to to show and is actually in many ways cultivated is anger Mm -hmm. and rage. Because that then equals dominance and power and how across the spectrum, fathers, mothers, grandmothers, when boys get to a certain age they go from being allowed to have these sweet their feelings and be these just right. open human beings to they slowly you know don't cry suck it up boys don't cry men don't cry and and even she talked about studies where women are wanting men to express their feelings and when yep. men express their feelings the women admit they sometimes lose respect for the men for having these vulnerabilities. And so, right? so basically, it's a larger issue of how men, and in this case, black men, are socialized to swallow our feelings, to be dominant, and, in, and internalize this anger and this rage, and, and basically, or excuse me, exter- externalize anger and rage, also internalize it, but internalize fear Sadness, depression, lack of connection. And so, the re- so what? So, suggestion first of all, our wise listener, talking to your sons, which I'm guessing you've started or tried about this is gold, about your experience of being a man, about your experience of being a black man, about your family values where you grew up, your community values, how men were supposed to be and why. Because we have to help give context and make sense to this so we understand the behavior, and that's what Bell Hooks is so amazing at and very direct in her writing, about how do we take this on. And, and what, what's amazing about her is as a feminist, she basically came to that this is about women, women included have to help men here right? like It's like women, unfortunately, are often the victims of this male toxic patriarchy. But women can also help understand men so so we can help raise boys to men which are in touch with their feelings, are not abusive, and don't just need to exercise power and control. And so talking about your own experience, so I, I find that, kids and young adults love learning, not through lectures, but through their parents and their loved ones, their kin's experience, Mm -hmm. saying you, you, giving them this link and saying, hey, you listen to this. It's 15 minutes. I think it's something like 15 or 20 minutes. Hey, I was wondering if you guys would take a listen and I'd love to just hear your thoughts. And, And then create a dialogue. And I know that this allowed the book that my son and I are both reading allowed us to have a a really good dialogue about this toxic patriarchy. And I asked him like, Hey, when do you think that started to come into your awareness and shape your behavior? And I was curious, you know, if I had an impact in that as well. And then he after asked me about when I thought my experiences, when I thought it impacted me and it was a dialogue and a sharing about the situation that we both in are in, in different generations. Um, and so I feel like it's the wisdom that you our listener our listener can bring to the situation to share what you struggled with, what you wish you had learned earlier and what you want for your sons and you're there to talk with them and support them in any way that you can.
1: I mean beautifully answered. I have very little very little very little to add to that great response but just you know, a minor a minor point but i think one that resonated for me when i was having some uh struggles as a as a young man was realizing that feelings and emotions and whatever you're going through with respect to your mental health it's it's still your health if mm. your son broke his ankle you he, we would have him go to the doctor and, and, and get that treated. Mm-hmm. And our, our, the functioning of our, of our minds, and our brains is this part of that's still part of our body. And it mm-hmm. all contributes mm-hmm. to this, to this whole. And I think once I started to really look at my mental health as a critical piece of my overall wellness, to be a yes. functional human being and to go out into the world and do what I want it to do accomplish and just be present. Uh, that's when it really was kind of a changing point for me.
0: Yeah. So that's all, that's all I
1: have to add. But, uh, yeah, that was really, really great response.
0: And I, and I, so the last piece is to loop back to that NPR piece because in the interview, um, there are a few very, um, you know just very accomplished and impressive black men who are being interviewed and talk about their own experience and so i think it's one thing for our kids to hear from us as parents especially as we get older they re- they respect our wisdom more than when they're younger <laughs> and it's also really helps for um i think it would help your kids to hear other black men who talk about their struggle and going to therapy and how it has enhanced their life as as, as it's like a mentor experience
1: Yeah, that's perfect. (music) Moving on to question number four. So we're switching platforms. This comes to us from a direct message on Twitter. My partner and I picked a name for our baby due this spring congratulations to our listener and their partner uh they've picked a name that means a lot to us we told the name to a few family members they hate it or they don't get it we are really mad advice Mm
0: -hmm. oh i totally get it and that is so annoying and frustrating (laughs) everyone has an opinion oh yeah and like most people in these situations they just don't read the room and be like, you're excited (laughs) to tell them about your names and ideas. And instead of them thinking, well, that's, you know, that's what they want to do. And that's interesting. It's more like, what you get? Oh, I don't like that. That's terrible. You know? So, okay. So for that reason, my wife was very strong on let's keep our names to ourselves because I don't want to get, all of the feedback. And, <laughs> and we did for two of the three and where we made, the, where we made the mistake, me, I it was my fault, um, <laughs> was for our middle and we were with our really close friends and it was the witching hour. And, um, you know, the, he was going to be born soon. And I looked at my wife and I said, can I, do you think I can tell them? Because they're talking about names. And she, and she okay, to, I, didn't do, I didn't do it without her permission. She looked at right. me, she's like, yeah, I guess so, okay? But she was so right. So what happened was, I mean, it's funny how it worked out. So we had two names picked out, a first name and a middle name, and uh, both related to family names. Yeah, and she course. wanted one name first and the second name, and I, and I was voting for the opposite. Right. Okay. And, <laughs> and actually, I had, she was going along with mine, mine the name for a second. So we told our close friends, and one of them burst out laughing and said, "For real? Oh no, no, seriously, what are you going to call him?" And I looked at her, and she's, and so she, and she looked back at me. She's like, "Well, sounds like we're flipping it back to the old way," and which, which worked out fine. But it right. was another example of like letting the cat out of the bag to like some of the closest people in our lives giving a very natural response. Of course. (laughs) And there we go. And it actually changed the ordering of his name. So what I would say to you, our dear listener, ah, the heck with them. Like be you, it's your family, it's your life, and they can deal with it. It doesn't matter what they think. It only matters what you think. Yeah,
1: yeah, and exactly. And if you are... If you know that is the name and you and you believe that to your core then it 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 doesn't matter, of course, of course it's it can be upsetting, yes, disappointing, but if it's your truth, then it's your truth, yes. and everyone has their own feelings and yes, and you're not responsible to make them no. like the name
0: no, and I'd say like this is where you stand in your integrity for what you think is right, not to spite anyone, so I'd also encourage you to make your decision and just let it go. Um, try to let it go. Try to move on, know that they're just being human. And and I, and I imagine knowing them as well as you know them, this might not be completely out unlikely that they re- remarked in the way that they did. <laughs> you know, right. like this might be a little bit about who they are and you have other experiences with them. So I would say it was a great quote from a recent podcast um, guest who is this amazing person um, and that'll be coming out soon. She, her, one of her mentors, friends said, what other people think is none of your business. And I just, I just have like just been sitting with me since ever since we recorded. And it's like, this is, it's, you know, you chose to tell them they gave their response and it's like, well, This might even, so like, it might be, you may be like, oh, this actually makes me question a little bit, like with our situation, or it might be like, you know what, this just makes me feel stronger about what we want, and thanks for your feedback, but do your best to let go of the anger, the frustration. It's just because this is what friends and families sometimes do, and everyone's got their own opinion.
1: Yeah, and it could even be as simple a mental exercise as asking yourself, why does this bother me so much? Mm -hmm. Does it bother you because you do have a seed of doubt about the name or does it bother you just because, oh, there they go again.
0: Yeah, right. Raining on my parade. Right, right. And I'm glad you said that because in our case, I did have a seed of doubt (laughs) with the order ordering of our (laughs) names. yeah. My wife was really clear after that moment. And then I was like, okay, like it just, so it actually was, yeah. I, I wish it didn't happen, but in that case it was helpful. Right. But I, so I like, I like what you said, just about yeah. what does it represent? Bingo. Yeah. Ex- yep. Exactly. Yeah.
1: All right. We are arriving at question number five, which is our final question of the show. This came from Facebook. So I love it that we are across.
0: Across domains, across platforms. platforms. Yes, yes, I
1: love it. I want to pierce my baby girl's ears because it is tradition in our family and culture. My husband does not. I'm, tem- I'm tempted to just do it when he is at
0: work. Mm-hmm. Can I? Um, well, you can do anything you want. Um, like you, you have free will. However, please pause. Pause before you go out and do it before we finish this answer. Um, I understand the frustration. I understand how important it is to you because of your family culture and heritage. And it's really frustrating that your husband would not agree. I'm guessing your husband has other very, you know, maybe equally strong reasons. Maybe not, you might not think so, but maybe obviously strong reasons for not. I can say, idea so I would recommend no. I, I mean, like I would recommend not doing it without his permission because basically this opens up a certain type of relationship patterning, yeah. which would be, regardless of what it is, if you don't like it, I'm still going to go do it because you did it. And this would just be the beginning would be my concern of, well, I don't want this house. Oh, but or I don't want to rent this place. Oh, but he signed a lease or I don't want this car. Well, someone got a car. Well, I don't think we should buy this. That's not in our budget. Oh, well, I wanted it. I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. You pierced, you pierced your ears. And, and now I don't want to minimize the, again, the cultural, how important this is from your cultural background and your heritage. And I think it's about having conversations which try to get beyond just like, we need to pierce now by this age and get behind like, here's what it means to me and here's why and here's the history in our family. I'm interested in why you feel so strongly about it. And can we just talk this through because it's really important to me and I actually don't want to do anything without our consensus. Like a goal is consensus and can we get some consensus where both of our needs and our desires will be met? Like that is the ideal and like worst case scenario is just going out and doing it and I, I would be really concerned about longer term relationship ramifications.
1: Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head that's exactly what my gut tells me in this scenario is I think the last option should be just going out and doing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And while this is likely very frustrating to you, upsetting, try to view it as an opportunity to improve your communication with your spouse. Mm-hmm. This is a, a tough issue and these are going to tough issues are going to come up throughout your marriage. You're going to yes. have the conversations yeah. Yeah. that just, Suck. Yes yes, <laughs> and you can let those divide yes. you, or you can yeah. let them bring you together and right. you, they, it might divide you for a night, your mm-hmm. husband might be sleeping on the couch, but remember, you know you're there for one another, you got married for a reason, you brought right. a child into the world out of love, and so let that love really serve as a as a as a guidance for you and as as Dr. Dan said, be honest about it. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, talk about why, you know, ex- just explain the tradition, explain what that tradition means to you, and then uh, give your husband the same opportunity to share where his reservations come from and be open, you know, be mm-hmm. open. I, it's, which is hard, especially when we're dealing with tradition and yeah. something our family has done as part of our culture, maybe for years and years. Yeah. So it's, it's, Really hard to be open minded to other opportunities. Right. And I don't want to be controversial. I don't wanna I don't wanna start, you know, a fight on your husband's behalf. (laughs) But maybe just maybe this is an opportunity to start a new tradition for your family.
0: Right. Right. You're you're so right. And here's the thing, again, with all respect for this tradition, absolutely. When you create a family with someone who comes from a different cultural, religious, ethnic, or any other kind of background, you are blending. And yes. most people don't talk about all these nuances before they get married or, no. and or be, before they have no. a child, and then these things come up. And so you are now having a blended, I'm guessing because of the, the response, this there's some sort of blended uh, cultural um, heritage here of some sort. And it is, to feel like you're saying, talking about w- what, how can we come together with what's important for both of us to take the pieces of where we come from and bring it into our family while respecting the other.
1: Yeah, and I would also say as well, because I'm, I'm sure there's likely been not the greatest initial conversation about this, just mm-hmm. based on your question, find a way through talking with your partner just to let them know how their instant, you know, response makes you feel right. Mm-hmm. So right. again, take this as an opportunity of, of sharing and, and sharing feelings and of, you know, you'll be getting to know each other for your entire marriage. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop. There's yeah. not a day where my wife and I aren't learning something new about each other be it nuanced or or something something bigger so really you know i want to emphasize this is an opportunity for dialogue and to really set a standard for communication with regards to parenting which is so critical is so critical and so just try to talk it through don't be impulsive don't go out there even though you you might want to and and see where it goes see where see where it might lead
0: yes and good luck. These are and these are. It's not easy. Luck. It's, it's not, not easy. But um, we're with you. That's right. We
1: are. And that brings us uh, to the end of this. It. M- this bonus episode. All yes, right. it was uh, so many great questions. Always, always a pleasure to hear from our listeners. Yeah,
0: great Love questions. It. Love it. These questions make us uh, better people and fathers as well. You guys, absolutely. So, so, I agree. One hundred percent. So good. So, you guys, you know, you can subscribe on the Wondery app to hear all the bonus episodes and our podcast all free. Um, as you know, the weekly shows, Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan, they drop every Thursday, and now our new bonus episodes of Sitting Down with Dr. Dan drop the last Tuesday of each month, all in your regular feed. Thanks for being a part of our community. Thanks for bringing in our, your questions. Gosh, we loved, we really love doing this and we look forward to these every month. We do. All right, I'm gonna ask you to do two things as always. Try to be that person you want your child to be and ask yourself that fundamental guiding question. I'm always asking myself, what footprint do you wanna leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.